<clears throat> My dad used to say, just because you get old doesn't mean you get smart. There's a lot of old fools running around. I think of that a lot when I see old people and I listen to them talk. Uh, the exception is in this room, of course. But uh, uh, there are a lot of old fools running around. Same thing could be said about the topic of holiness. We're on that topic, how to become holy, uh, how to become righteous. And just because you go to church for years doesn't mean you become holy. There's a lot of grumpy people going to church in their old age. So living doesn't change us. The only thing that changes us is the choice to, to change. In other words, we choose, we make the effort, we do what is needed. In your notes, if you got a copy of them, I was telling somebody that's a really short sermon tonight. I think there's only 10 pages uh, in the notes. So, number one, nobody grows to be more holy and righteous every day who doesn't choose to. So, in the Beatitudes, one of the major ones that we're looking at repeatedly is, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be satisfied. What does that mean, satisfied? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be satisfied. I think what it means is they will become righteous. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That is, that is, they want it, they want it, they want it. They will be satisfied. That is, what they want will happen. It will take place. And so if we were to say, what is the single most important key? If you're going to grow to become righteous and holy, what is, of all the things that we're going to talk about that it will require, what's the most important? The most important is you want to. You have a desire to. You're not complacent. You're not satisfied. You're not content with where you are. Because as soon as you get satisfied, content with where you are, that's where you stay. It's only those who hunger and thirst to be more than they are, hunger and thirst to be closer to what Jesus is, who will move. Because it's that desire that motivates and prompts you to make the choices that you need to make in order to grow. Most believers don't grow. Once they get to a certain point, it's culturally fit into the church. You know, I'm, eh, I'm as good as Mike, so why do I need to get any better than that? I think I'm ahead of Thomas. I'm ahead of James. Aren't I ahead of you, James? Little? Just a skosh. Yeah, okay. So, anyway, why do I need to get any better than that? And so if you don't want to become holy, you won't. If you don't want to become more righteous, you won't. Because it takes effort, uh, it takes work, it takes diligence to grow, and if you don't want to grow, you won't, because you won't pay the price that it takes. Number two, our flesh is constantly pulling us backwards into pride and selfishness. So I live in this thing, and uh, it just has a force in me that's sort of separate from my heart and my brain. It's just pulling me all the time. I think I told you the story. I used to own a 42 Volkswagen Bug, and I had restored it with the help of my brother. And it was made up of several Volkswagens, none of which worked very good, and we took them apart and put them together into one. Now, when we did it, we didn't do everything perfect, and so it had some problems. One of the problems was that when you turn loose to the steering wheel, 
it headed for the ditch. And we took it into Les Schwab and everybody else to try to get it uh, so it would not do that, but nothing would fix it. They said it was too, uh, you know, when we fastened it, put it together in pieces, we got it sort of crooked. And so you turn loose of the steering wheel, poof, in the ditch it went. And so how'd you fix that? Hang on the steering wheel. And another problem, I think I told you this story, but it would pop out of third gear. Uh, no, it would pop out of fourth gear. Fourth gear. And it was, you're going up a hill, and you're kind of late, and going, eh, going up the hill, and it would pop out of gear. And, and then it just raced like crazy. Eh, and it just scared the liver out of you. And so what I did to fix that is I took a bungee cord and hooked it on the gear shift knob and then hooked it in the carpet back behind and hold it into fourth gear. And the cool thing is that when it was in third gear, all you had to do was step on the clutch, and it'd shift itself. So I had kind of a semi-automatic uh, Volkswagen transmission. And uh, the, the shroud that was over the muffler, that's how it got its heat, you know, it was air-cooled, it had little pinholes in it, rusted. And so when it would rain, uh, it would, the whole car would fill up with steam. It was a steam room. And so I carried a beach towel on the passenger seat to mop the windows off so I could see where I was going. And so driving down the road in my 42 Volkswagen, you might say, there goes D. That's the 42 Volkswagen. I'm on the inside. And so you look at this body and you say, there's D. This is not really me. I'm on the inside, the real me. And so this thing I am in is like my 42 Volkswagen. As soon as I turn loose to the steering wheel, I head for the ditch. Uh, I got to hang on to it all the time. And so sometimes I would think, boy, Lord, it seems like as I get older... Maybe that flesh would become less powerful, but it seems like it gets more powerful. It seems like it pulls into the ditch even worse than it has. And so it's just a constant. Romans 7:14, we know that the law is spiritual. I am of flesh. This is Paul talking. Probably, you know, the most godly, righteous man. I am of flesh, sold into bondage to sin. Sold into bondage to sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. I'm not practicing what I'd like to do. I'm doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very, the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. Sin which dwells in me. I was learning a little bit about viruses tonight. My daughter has pneumonia. And her husband, Thomas, had pneumonia last week, and she got it from him. And she said, Dad, did you know there's a difference between viral pneumonia and bacterial pneumonia? I said, I didn't know that. In fact, I don't know the difference between a virus and a bacterial, or bacteria, or whatever you call them. Uh, One bug is a bug, you know. And she says, no, they're different. And uh, I said, I have a virus. She said, you do? Yep. It's called sin. It's been in me since I was born. And it creates more problems than the coronavirus. It's in me and it infects my body. It pulls me into the ditch. It affects my thinking. It affects my attitude. It creates pride and lust and uh, arrogance and anger and does all kinds of stuff this selfishness, this virus that's in me, sin which dwells in me. Paul said, I'm not the one doing it. Not me. (laughs) That's a pretty good 
excuse, isn't it? It's the sin which dwells in me. But we have the responsibility uh, to control that. Paul said, I buffet my body, I discipline my body, my flesh, I make it my slave so that it doesn't control me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh. The willing is present, but the doing of good is not. So that force, that virus that you live in, that I live in, doesn't get any weaker. It doesn't go away. Every day, every day, every day, we have that thing pulling us to the ditch. And you let up for a little bit, and you'll be in a wreck. So it takes constant discipline. Constant discipline. And that's the key word that Paul uses when it comes to our flesh. I discipline my flesh and make it my slave. Number three, the devil is 24-7 tempting us to do wrong things. <clears throat> Most of you read my blog or heard me talk about the fact that I, uh, 27 grandkids were all here uh, several weeks ago, all at my house with the kids and the son-in-laws and the daughter-in-laws, 45. I got a picture. We got a picture of everybody all together. It's an awesome picture. It's great. And so we're all in the house, and, and I have four grandkids over here all talking. Grandpa, Grandpa, Grandpa. And I got five over here talking. Grandpa, Grandpa, they want to use this. They want to go there. They want to, they want to use the go-kart. They want to use the quad. They want to use my cordless drill. They, uh, and Grandpa, Grandpa, just everywhere, just jabber, 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 jabber. Grandpa, Grandpa, okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So Satan can't read your mind. Second, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says nobody can read your mind but you. No one knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of a man that is in him. He can't read your thoughts, but he can put them in your brain by talking to you. They talk to us. We hear them subliminally. We have thoughts come in our head. So probably none of us are what you might call important enough to have the devil working on us, but his demons are assigned to us. Now, you start doing anything that matters, and there's another one, and another one, and a little bigger one, and a little more powerful one, and you got five on this side and six on this side, and they just follow you everywhere you go and just jabber at you. Jabber, 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 jabber. Thoughts pop into your head all day long, 24-7. Not good thoughts. Uh, judgmental thoughts, critical thoughts, poor me thoughts. Uh, eight different kinds of thinking patterns that the Bible calls sin, and all of them are popping into your head all day long because these little critters um, are following you wherever you go and they just talk to you and they know you and they know your facial expression, they know your mood, they know the circumstance, they know what to say and when to say it just at the perfect time. So that thought that pops into your head sort of grabs a hold of your thinking. Pretty soon you're just going around and around wallowing in that self-pity or really focused on that uh, critical thinking or something and it begins to consume you. And so, do they take a day off on Thanksgiving, those demons? No, I think they have relay teams. They just keep a-coming, just keep a-coming. 1 Peter 5, 8, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, your adversary. That word, be of sober spirit, do you know what that means? That means you're just about ready to get shot. That life is tough. 
And the, any minute now, it's going to get tougher. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Pay attention. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. Number four, the world system that we are immersed in brainwashes us to long for and pursue all the wrong things. So advertising is everywhere, and advertisers are constantly trying to talk you into buying what you don't need. You know, somebody was telling me, I, and I discovered this to be true the other day. On my iPad, this advertisement popped up. And I thought, that thing can read my thoughts. I've been thinking about that. And I thought, how did it do that? And this fellow said to me, they, got, they, can, they hear your conversation and advertisements pop up about what you think about. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but I can't believe that that particular advertisement popped up on my screen. And I thought, wow, that's, that's timing. And I am just about ready to spend 500 bucks on something I don't need with $500 I don't have. Wow. That's the world, and we're in it, and it's everywhere. Computers, your phones, your television, your radios. We're constantly being persuaded to spend money on stuff we don't need. And advertisers are convincing us that if we don't have it, we can't, be, we can't even close, be close to being happy. So this world we live in, 1 John 2, 15, do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's scary. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. How much do you love the world? Number five, if we're going to conquer these enemies and grow, it's going to take some major effort, discipline, diligence, uh, discipline and diligence. So those are key words, diligence, effort, discipline. So you've got your flesh you live in with this virus of sin. You've got the world you're living in advertisements popping up everywhere. you got these demons following you wherever you go, talking to you, thoughts popping into your mind 24-7. How in the world are you going to overcome that? It's just the very fact that it never lets up. Never lets up. It kind of just wears you out. That bitter thought, that immoral thought, that critical thinking, that poor me kind of thinking, and, or I need this, I need to buy that, or it's just never, ever gives you a break. That pressure, that temptation, it's constant. Number six, nobody puts out the effort needed without choosing, making a commitment to be a conqueror. So it's very much like deciding that you're going to be a boxer and you train and you step into the ring and uh, you... So there you are. There's the ropes. There's that dude over in the other corner and he wants to beat your head in. And you think, am I going to climb in that ring? 
and get in a fight with him? If you don't, you won't. If you don't, you won't win. And so it's a choice what we make. I today will be a winner. I will be a conqueror. I will overcome my flesh. Today I will stomp the devil under my feet. Today the world will not touch me. Every day you choose to be a winner. You choose to be a fighter. You choose to be a conqueror. If you don't choose to be, you won't be. Because if you just get up and live life, pretty soon you're just going down the river uh, with the forces that are in your life and they're pulling you right along down the wrong way. You have to choose to fight every day. You have to choose to be a conqueror every day. If you don't choose, you won't. And if you don't, you won't win. It requires discipline. It requires diligence. It requires choosing constantly. Number seven, the most tangible, measurable, definitive way to make a choice to pursue righteousness is to make a goal. <clears throat> now I get a little bit of pushback other places, not much here anymore because I've sort of been hammering this one for a few years. But if you want to be righteous, goal setting is the best tool you have. If you want to be holy, goal setting is the best tool you have. If you want to change your life, if you want to be in control, if you want to run the steering wheel of your car, your flesh, and not go in the ditch, goal setting is the best tool you have. Uh, it's hard to talk people into goal setting because it takes some effort, it takes some work, it takes some discipline. It's easier just to coast, to do whatever, just to go with the flow. When you set a goal, you are then making a choice that you're going to win that you're going to change, that you're going to be in control. But goal setting is a very, very easy tool, and it works. It works wonderfully. All a goal is is a choice that you make, and you put it on paper. It's a choice that you make, and you put it on paper in regards to your life and what you need to do in order to win Psalms 33:11 The counsel of the Lord stands forever the plans of his heart the plans of his heart what is a plan It's a goal something that's going to happen tomorrow next week next month next year 1000 years from now God plans the future the plans of his heart from generation to generation Isaiah 25, 1, O Lord, you are my God, I will exalt you, I will give thanks to your name, for you have worked wonders, plans formed long ago, plans formed long ago with perfect faithfulness. Everything God does, he premeditates. Everything God does, he decides before he does it what he's going to do. That's his nature. That's how he functions. Proverbs 21, 5, the plans of the diligent. It's only the diligent who make plans. Plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. So God is a God who plans the future. He makes goals. He decides what he's going to do before he does it. I'm created in the image and likeness of God. I function best when I function like God. He's given us the privilege. He's given us the power. He's given us the freedom to choose, to decide, to plan. And when we give those plans to God and say, Lord, I believe this is your will for my life. Will you help me? Will you strengthen me? He delights to do that.
especially when they revolves around Him and righteousness and fruit-bearing, doing something with our life that matters. Number eight, the foundation to growing to be like Jesus is faithfully practicing the basic disciplines of the Christian life. We're much more apt to practice them if we make a goal to do them. So becoming holy is not rocket science. You do this and you will grow faster. You do this and you will grow even faster. You do this and it will shift you into third gear. You do this and you'll shift you into fourth gear. Activities, disciplines that anybody can do. Who does them? Those who choose to. Those who make a goal to. Those who have a system who like dieting, like exercising, brushing your teeth every day, every day, every day. Um, so, Bible reading. Jump to number nine, past number nine, Bible reading. Some of the basic disciplines of the Christian life are Bible reading. Every day, every day, every day, read your Bible. So you're going to write your goals. This is 2022 coming up. Number one goal, I will read my Bible 15 minutes a day. I will read three chapters a day. I will read Genesis through Revelation using uh, the Bible plan, uh, um, Bible project, uh, whatever. It's a simple little statement. This is what I will do. I will do this. I will read the Bible. And, uh, and so you make that goal. Now, when you make a goal, uh, you don't make a goal and then put it on the shelf and forget it. You make a goal and then you read it. Every day is best, but once a week works. And so you read it. I will read my Bible 15 minutes a day. I will read the Bible through Genesis to Revelation. I will read the particular Bible. Every time you read it, every time you read it, it spins this gyroscope in your brain. It motivates you. It stirs you up. It creates a little bit of guilt. And, uh, and if you read your goals at least once a week, you will do them. Now, what could be easier? Write a goal on paper, read it once a week, and you do it. Read your Bible every day, and you will grow. The Bible promises that. Second, Bible study. That is, take a topic and look up verses and just study it. It, you develop a, a Bible brain when you do that. You think about the truth that's in the Word when you study a topic and you get to know it. Well, it's pretty easy to do that. As you read your Bible every day, certain words will pop out. All you need to do is get a... I highly recommend Logos, L-O-G-O-S. Uh, it's a app you can get or a program you can get for your computer, your iPad, and uh, it's, you can get the low one. It's cheap but it really works really well. And you type a word in there, and it'll give you every reference to the word in the Bible. You look up the references, you write out some observations, and then you write down your little theological statement about the word blessing or sin or glorification or salvation or sanctification. And you become, you think like the Bible. You think like Jesus by studying. And you don't have to do that a lot you could make a goal to spend 30 minutes a week doing Bible study. 
studying topics and words. It's a lot of fun, and you grow from it. Scripture memory. Here's a great goal. I will memorize one Bible verse per week and take two weeks off in the year, 50 verses in the year. You memorize 50 verses, and don't forget the ones you memorized last year, and you will be like in the one percentile of believers in the world. Uh, nothing creates growth like memorizing, meditating on the Word of God. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law He meditates, meditates day and night, day and night. Everything He does, He will prosper. Joshua 1.8, same thing. This book shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you'll be careful to do according to all that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and then you'll have success. Wow, I love those words. What does it take? Memorize it. How much? Try a verse a week. 50 a year. Two years, you got 100. 16 years, you got 800 verses memorized. How hard is that to write that out? 2022, I will memorize one verse per week. Anybody can do that if you choose to. And it's a huge, huge growth catalyst. It works powerfully in your life. Personal prayer. I will pray 15 minutes a day by myself using a prayer journal. Read that. Every day. I will pray 15 minutes a day by myself using a prayer journal. Now, if you read it every day, how apt is it to happen? It'll happen. How many people, Christians, good Christians, go to church every week, pray 15 minutes a day every day? Just them and God. Not doing anything else, just focusing on Him. He's the center of their time, their conversation. Not very many. So, so far, we've had a Bible reading goal, a Bible study goal, a scripture memory goal, and a personal prayer goal. Four goals. If you do those four, you're going to grow like a weed. You're going to become holy and righteous. Every day, you'll be closer to Jesus. And you'll probably be like, uh, who was that guy in the Old Testament? I mean, he just stepped into heaven, didn't even die. It's a quiz. Enoch. Oh, yeah. Enoch. Yeah. Cool. You know why he didn't die? It says he was pleasing to the Lord. He was so holy and so righteous. Pfft, no sense leaving him here. He's done. He's ready. So that's only four. Well, let's go to corporate prayer. Praying with your church family. You could make a goal to pray five hours in each of the five-day prayer events. One hour a day. That's a pretty easy goal to do. Or you could do 10 hours, one in the morning, one in the evening. We pray 5 to 10, 5 to 10. You could pray one in the morning, one in the evening, just five days. Only happens four times a year. That's a pretty simple goal, but it would make a huge difference in your life if you did that. Or you could pick some of the prayer times that happen every week in the church, 7 o'clock Sunday morning, uh, Thursday evening, missions prayer. There's a number of different ones. You could join one of those, pray corporately, or you could start your own prayer meeting. It just takes a goal. I will. I will. Corporate prayer is incredibly powerful for moving you towards holiness. Praying with your spouse. 
That's a hard one for me. We do it, but the problem is, is that my wife lies. Patty, you think, no, she doesn't. Yes, she does. Yeah, she's, she deceives me all the time. I say, how long is this going to take? Well, let's just pray about five minutes. Okay. 30 minutes later, we're still going. I mean, 27 grandkids. We can't quit till we pray for every one of them. It's like, okay, come on, Patty. Let's just pray for five of them, okay? And then five tomorrow. There is not a force on the planet Earth more powerful than the prayer, green prayer of a husband and a wife. You want to influence your grandkids, your kids, your people you work with, people in your church, your neighbors? Just make a goal to pray with your spouse three times a week. How hard is that? Five minutes. <laughs> five minutes. That's what I put on mine, five minutes. Doesn't happen, but I put it on there anyway. Prayer walking, that's another real possibility. You want to exercise and prayer walk? A number of people in our church, uh, three times a week, will walk through their neighborhood and pray, they name right on the mailbox. They pray for that person. They walk by, they pray for that person. They get exercise and they pray at the same time, a couple times a week. Do it together with others. It's even better. Self-examination, confession of sin. I do that with a piece of paper and a pencil. I write about fights I have with my wife. And I'll just write it out and say, today we had a discussion, went like this, and... I think it was 100% Patty's fault, but I think probably that's not true. So I write about it a little bit, and I think, what should I have done? How should I have done it? What should I have said? And pretty soon I realize, ah, I'm 99% the problem. I discover things about myself that are blind spots and character flaws, and I confess them to God. It doesn't take a lot of time to do that, but you don't do it if you don't make a goal to do it. Faithfully gathering together with other believers. A number of years ago, there was a guy in our church, and he missed, oh, probably 52 weeks. He probably missed 40 weeks of coming to church. Came just enough so that he called this his church. And so, I forget, we did something together. Did some building, I think, or whatever. I said, um, you know, if you'd come to church more often, you would grow faster. That's just kind of one of the rules in the Bible. Why don't you? Well, you know, I got to do this and I got to do that and we go camping and we go fishing and we do that. And, and I said, you know, if you plan your life a little better and make that a priority, understand that God has said, don't forsake gathering together as is the habit of some. Don't do it. There's a reason. And so just say... 2022, I will miss five weekends max. Now, with Wednesday night service, you can miss a weekend and show up here. It's pretty easy to do. Just make a goal. Being part of an accountability group with other like-minded righteousness pursuers. Uh, you can make a goal. This year, I will join a group, uh, and I will meet with them, and I will share my goals, and we will hold each other accountable. Sincere worship and praise of God and His blessings, both private and corporate. So I don't know, you know what kind of songs you like when we gather like this, but one of the things that I believe it really doesn't matter what you like. What matters is what you 
do in your head while you're singing. And so tonight when we sang, I don't know if it threw Jerry and Mary off or not, but I sang as loud as I could sing. I always sing as loud as I can sing. That's why I sing towards the front so people don't hear me as much uh, because it's just with all my might worshiping the Lord. And so the basic rule is that you don't do any better during the week on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, worshiping, praising, being positive, not grumbling, not griping than you do when you are corporately worshiping. If your mind is far away, Jesus said, they worship me with their lips, but their heart is far away. If you do that here on Wednesday night, on Sunday morning, you'll do it all week long. And so it's a simple matter of making a goal. When I worship in church, I will focus on the Lord, I will direct my words to Him, and I will sing as loud as I can. That's exactly how I word my goal. And then I make another one that's a kind of a purpose statement. I will not grumble about anything. And I will rejoice always. I will not let self-pity thoughts stay in my head for more than a second. And so I write those out and I read them systematically and sacrificially giving our money to God's work. That's a discipline. Proactively witnessing. You could make a goal to take Brandon's witnessing uh, class. Uh, that'll change your life. It'll change your life. Or maybe you can make a goal to memorize a gospel presentation. Uh, I could give you several that you could memorize. You could, I could give you, here's an opening question, and here's the permission question, and here's a clarifying question, and here's the five points of the gospel, and, and go right through that. Did you know that when you are prepared to witness, God will bring people into your life that are looking? If you don't have anything to say, you're not prepared, God's not going to bring somebody in your life. You'll mess them all up. So that'd be a great goal. Memorize a gospel presentation clearly. There's lots of them, and it's a simple thing to do. Uh, go on a short-term missions trip. We do a number of those each year. They are powerful. We made a goal raising our kids that every one of our kids would be in a third-world country by the time they graduated from high school, and they were. Uh, you know, I, re I read the news about people running around our country today and the things they say. I said, their mother should have made them go to Africa when they were a kid. They wouldn't be spouting all this foolishness. Uh, it's amazing the difference it makes. That's a goal you could make for yourself or someone in your family. Being involved in a ministry. You got a ministry? Nothing makes you grow like being involved in a ministry. Leading a ministry. Being in charge of something. Starting a ministry. Uh, Ever have an idea about something that the church could do? Start it. Attend my leadership class. For some of you, that would be a great goal. Uh, attend my leadership class. And there's a bunch more. There's a bunch more. Here's a few of my goals just for ideas. Number one, I'll read 12 chapters each day in my Bible. Used to be 14, but I upped my Bible memory and I didn't have time to do 12 and and do the memory work as well. But that's the way my goal is. I will read 12 chapters each day in my Bible. Five chapters of Psalm, one chapter in Proverbs, two chapters in the Old Testament, Genesis through Malachi, two chapters, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Revelation. I get to the end, I go back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Revelation. And so I get through it <clears throat> a couple times a year, and then two chapters in Romans through Jude. 
That's my schedule every day. It takes me less than 40 minutes, usually about 37 minutes to read those 12 chapters every day. I do it while I'm riding my bike. I will pray alone for 30 minutes every day. I do that on my bike as well. I will, I will pray for 15 minutes twice each week on my kneeling bench in my office. I have a kneeling bench in my office in the corner, and uh, it's got a prayer shawl from Israel. It's got a prayer rug from uh, India, Nepal, and uh, I built it, and a guy padded it for me, and it's there, and I go in there, and I kneel on it, put my elbows on it twice a week, 15 minutes, and it's almost always before a service. I did tonight praying for you that God would keep you awake while I drone on, and uh, uh, it's this cool goal. Five, I will pray. Uh, it's, it's five in my list. I've got 73 goals, but I'm only giving you the ones that are ministry-related. I will pray at three regular corporate prayer times each week, so I pray Sunday morning at 7. I pray for, at men's prayer Tuesday night. Uh, and then I try to pick up another one, usually a, a, a Zoom one now. Uh, six, I'll pray 40 hours in each of the four or five days of prayer events. There's 50 total. I pray 40 of them. I'll pray with Patty three times each week minimum. I will pray through the church prayer letter each week, cut, out, cut and paste significant prayer requests to my, into prayer mate. That's my app on my iPad that I pray uh, through you. That's the next one. I will pray for every person in the church every week using the iPad app Permate. So I pray for every one of you by name every week. It takes a lot of time to do that. Uh, that's why that 30 minutes a day goal is a piece of cake. It's usually an hour a day. And so I just go through my prayer app. I start out with A's and go all the way down to Zilverberg. And, uh, and under each name, I have a picture of most all of you and your kids, and I have prayer things under there, whatever I know about you. If I observe you to be sort of semi-involved, uh, I pray, Lord, would you kick them in the butt, whatever that means uh, from your perspective, and motivate them. Uh, I'll pray for Patty, all kids, son-in-law, daughter-in-law, and grandkids every day. I do that in my hot tub, and I can do that from memory. I start right at the top with Patty, and then I go to Mike, and then I go to Sarah, and then I go to Josiah, and I can go all the way down to Sally and Aaron and their three kids, and I can do it from memory, and I do it every single night uh, before I go to bed. Uh, I will maintain my prayer app, PrayerMate, keeping up to date with names, pictures, and information. New people come to church. I put them in there. I get their picture. I look them up on Facebook. I have a little app that private investigators use to find out information about you. So if you have a speeding ticket, it'll show up there. <laughs> I would never use it in a sermon illustration, though, or my blog, okay? I might for James. I'll write in my personal journal at least twice each week. I'll present my life to Christ as Lord each morning, reciting my prayer of commitment. You've heard that every morning. Today, Lord, you are Lord, Master, King of my life. Today, I will obey you. I will serve you. I'll do whatever you ask, no matter how difficult or how hard it is. Today, I'll read your word. Today, I'll be devoted to prayer. Today, I'll love my wife the way Christ loves the church. Today, I will love any person you sovereignly bring into my life, no matter how difficult or how hard they might be to love. Today, I'll do my part to build your church at JBC and around the world. Today, I'll take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Today, I'll only speak words that give grace, not that tear down and a few more, and then I say, Lord, I can't do that in my strength. Grant me your strength. Fill me with your spirit. Give me wisdom to know what to do and say in every situation you sovereignly put me in today. Pray that prayer every single morning without fail because I wrote it down as a goal. 
I will read 20 pages each day, five days a week, and a good book. I will find and train someone to run the small group ministry, replacing myself, possibly a full-time staff person. I see 20 I skipped there because it says I will work with Preston Rich Siebens on the small group ministry. Well, I did 21. Ron Comer now is in charge of that, so I crossed both those off. I don't read those anymore. I love it when that happens. I will study, write, and preach a sermon at Buena Vista Church each week. I will study, write, and preach a sermon at our Wednesday night service each week. I'll study, prepare a lesson that I will teach each week in three different Leadership One classes. I will study, prepare a lesson that I will teach in Leadership Two each week. I will prepare, a, well, a lesson that I will teach in my teaching and preaching class each week. I will meet with Brandon Morris, Preston Mitchell, Ben Dittman, Josiah Dedera, Josiah Dittman as a group each week for an hour and teach and coach them in ministry success. They're all young guys. I will meet with Pastor Mike at least weekly to discuss issues, goals, and strategies for JBC. I will write in my blog every day and pray and ask God to anoint my writing and that it would prompt many to read it. I will pray before I hit publish. That is probably my most difficult goal uh, to do. Uh, every day to write that. It takes me about two hours by the time I think it through, read verses, uh, write it, rewrite it, throw it away, write it again, uh, and finally say, ah, oh, I think that's as good as I'm going to get, and pray about it and hit the button that says publish. I work on scripture memory for 30 minutes every day. I continue to develop and work with our JBC mentoring program. I'll finish memorizing the book of Colossians. I'll have a total of 800 verses memorized well by October 27th. I'll work with Brandon to plant, organize, and hold three newcomers' dinners. I will hand off the existing men's accountability groups. I have three of them and start three more. I will, with the help of others, write a book using 365 of my blogs. That's uh, close to being done. That's been a year goal. I'll pray for each staff person and families twice each week. I'll faithfully attempt to encourage those who have drifted away from faithful attendance at JBC to return. I do that by sending them notes, text messages, dropping bombs in their yard, uh, doing whatever. I will attend a major church growth seminar and take at least one staff member with me. I'll pray corporately for a total of 300 hours in 2022. 63, I will pray every day without fail for 80 baptisms at JBC in the year 2022. I will remind JBC at least weekly to do the same. So I'm really going to get on this one this year. I kind of didn't do so well last year when I made it a goal, but it's not going to be 80. It's going to be 88. 88 and 22. Has that got kind of a ring to it? 88 and 22. 88 baptisms in 2022. So I'm going to bring that up over and over and over. I will listen to at least 100 sermons on YouTube and podcasts. I will write 100 handwritten notes to different people at JBC each month. I'll teach a two-day seminar on the topic of leadership. Hopefully I have 200 pastors here. And January 17th and 18th, I'll establish, attempt to establish a coaching relationship with at least two pastors. I got one, uh, uh, one signed up. Patty and I will have people to our house for dinner six times. I will work with the seniors' ministry and develop a comprehensive plan and goals for the ministry. Seven to three, I thought it was time I joined the seniors' ministry. It's two o'clock uh, Tuesday afternoon. Uh, if you're over 50, you can come. <laughs> I'll find and train someone to be the full-time pastor of Buena Vista Church. I'll start a prayer ministry at Buena Vista Church. I'll plan and start an aggressive advertising program for Buena Vista Church. Buena Vista Church will have an average attendance of 50 by the end of 2022. So I read those goals just about every day. 
not just those, but about 30 more that are fishing and hunting goals. Uh, so the probability of doing them is real high, and when I get them done, I cross them off and uh, get about two-thirds of my goals finished each year. The other third I roll over into the next year. Now, you only need to do six, seven, Bible reading, Scripture memory, pray with your spouse, pray on your own. You could pick any number of those. You could read them really quick. And if you would write them out in detail, read them every day, you would do them. And if you read your Bible every day, if you spend 30 minutes with God in prayer every day, if you memorize a Bible verse a week, you're going to grow. You're going to grow. You can't help but grow. And it doesn't take that much time, but the average individual doesn't do it because their flesh wins. The devil wins. The world wins. And so we've got to conquer the world, the devil, and our flesh. And the goals are the best tool available to do that. And we just have to choose to make it happen. My goal was to be done at 7.30, and it is now 7.29. That's what I call success. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, thank you. Thank you for making us like yourself. Thank you that, Lord, we have the ability to steer our own life. We have the ability to run the race uh, with aim. We have the ability to box, not beating the air. We have the ability to discipline our flesh and make it our slave. You've given us the power to conquer the devil. You've given us what we need to overcome the world. But so much of the time we just kind of give in and coast and we don't grow. And Lord, we're lucky if we don't even go backwards, but I pray that we would be serious about the life that you've given us and the time we have left and that we would want every day to be a day in which we're growing more like you. And we would determine that we're going to pursue righteousness, we're going to press on to maturity, and, uh, and we're going to do it every day. And thank you for the great tool that you've given us in goals. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.